0: You're listening to audio from Mountain View Church located in Murphy, North Carolina. If you'd like more information, you can find us at www.mtnvu.org
1: or on Instagram and Facebook at Mountain View Church NC. If we've
0: learned anything so far, as we've examined the first three chapters, it's been this. Life
1: is hard. Life is hard, but Solomon's going to tell us in chapter 4 that real friends
0: can make a real difference. The problem is, many
1: people don't have real friends, which can make real life that much harder. Now, Solomon knows this. And Solomon would have us
0: learn what it means to be and to have real friends, with whom you and I can navigate life under the sun, life that is both mist and a mystery, as we've already discussed. To that purpose, Solomon writes in chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors, there was power, and there was no one to comfort them. And I thought the dead who are already dead more fortunate than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been born and has not seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. Then I saw that all toil and all skill and work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Better is a handful of quietness than two handfuls of toil and a striving after the wind. Again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil. And his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure. This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. For he went from prison to the throne, though in his own kingdom he had been born poor. I saw all the living who move about under the sun, along with that youth who was to stand in the king's place. There was no end of all the people, all of whom he led. Yet those who come later will not rejoice in him. Surely this is also vanity and a striving after the wind. O Heavenly Father. I just want to ask very simply this morning that you would bless the reading and the hearing, the preaching and the receiving of your
1: word. Lord, this text exposes all of us to the deep, dark nature of our sin. Where we should be loving, we are often loveless.
0: Where we should be content, we so often envy. Where we should be satisfied with what you've given and where we should share it with others, we often hoard it and live in complete dissatisfaction. And where we should be humble, we are often proud.
1: But we can be thankful this morning for our dear friend, the Lord Jesus. Who is perfect love. Who never envies. Who is satisfied with the very love of
0: the Father. And satisfies the hearts of all who come to Him with that love. The one who is humble and gentle. The one who is to us closer than a brother. May Christ be lifted up and glorified. And if there's one person here under the sound of my voice. Who does not know the friendship of Jesus. I pray that they would today. Oh God, I just lift this time to you. And ask you to use it for your glory in Jesus name. Amen. So this morning we want to talk about. Friendship. And I think this chapter lends itself well to talking about what real friends look like. Life is hard, but real friends can make a real difference. In the first place, a real friend will weep with you. Now, if you thought things were going to get better and easier and more comfortable in the book of Ecclesiastes, welcome to chapter 4. Where Solomon says, I saw all of the oppressions that are done under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed and there was no one to comfort them. I saw the powerful who had power on their side. But again, I saw all of the oppressed and there was no one to comfort them. In this broken, twisted world, human beings who themselves have been broken and twisted and corrupted by sin, often do horrible things to one another. There was a 60-year-old man who was left by his son on the floor in the same place that he had fallen for two weeks. When paramedics arrived to help him up, he had been laying in his own waist for so long that his skin came away from his body, and he had to be wrapped in burn garments. There was a toddler who died after two weeks Suffering with her wounds after her mother placed her under a scalding shower as a form of punishment. And did not seek medical help for the child
1: during that two week period of time. You and I need to know that the Christian faith is able to look at these
0: things. And is able to look at the world in which we live and agree with Solomon that this world can be a horrible and terrifying place because of human sin.
1: We're capable of unspeakable things, aren't we? Solomon goes on to
0: admit here in the first paragraph that if there's anything that comes close to the unspeakable things like these, it's the pain of having to bear them all by yourself. Of having no one to come alongside you and acknowledge the pain that's often associated with living and suffering in a sin-sick world. Notice twice Solomon says that those who are oppressed, afflicted, have no one to comfort them. Friends, this is why you and I need real friends and genuine community. Solomon writes in Proverbs 17 verse 1, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born For adversity. J.C. Ryle, the 19th century pastor said, This world is full of sorrow because it is full of sin. It is a dark place. It is a lonely place. It is a disappointing place.
1: The brightest sunbeam in it is a friend. Friendship halves our sorrows and doubles our joys.
0: Many of us carry around within us great pain and great sorrow. And the truth of the matter is, though a friend might not be able to make that disappear, a friend is often a help
1: when it comes to carrying those things, right? Has the Lord Jesus called you to be this kind of friend to someone right now? Know that when you
0: and I serve as friends of comfort to those who are afflicted, We demonstrate to them the very presence of Christ. And we demonstrate to them the very heart of Christ when we draw near with comfort. Jesus himself was this kind of friend. Knowing full well that he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. What did Jesus do? He came alongside sisters Mary and Martha, and the text says, in fact, it's the shortest verse in all the Bible, the text says that he wept bitterly with them. He identified with their grief, and he comforted them in it by his presence and by his promises to them. But here's the beauty of the friendship of Christ. Jesus did more than weep for those who are afflicted and affected with sorrows and griefs in this world of woe. Jesus actually and ultimately entered into the suffering of his friends. He took on our sin. He took on all of the awful consequences of all of our sin upon himself On the cross. In fact, before going to the cross, what did he tell his friends? Greater love has no one than this. That someone lay down his life for his friends. Isaiah, the prophet, tells us exactly what it was like for this friend of ours to lay down his life for us. Surely, He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. That's Isaiah 53, 4. Friends, this morning, Solomon would remind us that a good friend can comfort us in our hurt and in our heartache when we are afflicted and affected, but only one friend, only one friend, has ever been able to pick up, and carry your afflictions, and that friend is Jesus,
1: are you grieving this morning? Are you full of sorrows? Are you afflicted?
0: Are you hurting? This morning, as a result of someone's sin against you, are you broken because of your own sin and how your sin has harmed others? Jesus is the friend of sinners and the friend of the
1: sinned against. Do you believe that? Do you know the Lord Jesus as your friend this morning?
0: Now we don't use that language much anymore, but the Puritans of the
1: 16th and 17th centuries talked of the friendship of Christ a lot. To know Jesus as Lord and Savior is to know the best friend you could ever have.
0: a friend who understands more than you and I could ever know what it means to live in a world weighed down by the woe of sin. It's like the hymn says, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs
1: to bear. Life is hard. Sometimes unspeakably
0: hard. Friends who are present in the hurt and in the heartache with a warm embrace and
1: wise, comforting words are good because they can demonstrate to us the
0: presence and the promises of Christ. Secondly, A friend won't only weep with you. A friend will expend his energy for your good. Look at verse 4. Then I saw that all of the toil and all of the skill and work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. Now Solomon makes a pretty sweeping accusation here. He uses the word all. And he indicts all of us under these words. Everyone works, everyone employs their skill and their energy because everyone is jealous of everyone else. At the bottom of the human heart, in other words, in terms of our motivational structure, is this desire to be better than the next guy. To prove ourselves, to ourselves and to others, that we are enough. Once again, this is a really strong indictment of the sinful nature of the human heart. Apart from Christ, really, everyone does what they want to do because everyone wants to be
1: better than everyone else. Now, notice what Solomon goes on to say. He says in
0: verse 5, the fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. In other words, there are some people who work themselves to the bone because they want to be better than everybody else, because they care for no one but themselves. On the other hand, there are some people who are lazy because they care about no one but themselves. What they don't understand and what Solomon so skillfully describes is that their laziness will lead to their own what? Destruction. That's what he means when he says the person folds their hands and eats their own flesh.
1: So what's the solution? Solomon says in verse 6, better is a
0: handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and a striving after the wind. In other words, it's better to have something in your hands so it's Better to work than to be lazy. But he says, it's better to have one hand full and the other hand
1: open. So that you not only have enough to provide for your own needs, but to do what? Help others. Jesus was a faithful worker. Have you ever thought about
0: Jesus expending His skill and His energy? In John 5, 17, Jesus answered those to whom He was talking, My Father is working until now, and I am working. And why did He do this? He did this for our good. Mark 10, 45, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life. As a ransom for many.
1: So those who are united to Christ by faith. For those
0: united to the one who expended his energy and his very life for our good. You and I are also empowered to expend our energy. For the good of others. For the good of our friends. Ephesians 4.28 says let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share
1: with anyone in need. The answer to envy
0: is not to stop working Because work isn't bad. Work is a created good. The answer is to be transformed by Jesus, our friend, into people who use our hands for the good of others. For their blessing and their benefit. Solomon's here telling us that life is hard, but friends who employ their skill and their energy who use themselves up for the benefit and the good of others, are a good thing. Third, look at what he says in verses 7 and 8. Again, I saw vanity under the sun, one person who has no other, either son or brother. Yet there is no end to all of his toil and his eyes are never satisfied with riches so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. A friend will also share his successes with you. Solomon says here, and he reminds us of Something he's already said multiple times along the way in the book of Ecclesiastes. Some people are, or rather we should probably change that to all people. Ultimately all people are never going to be satisfied with the stuff of earth. And yet what he says here is that some people keep trying and trying and trying. And yet they are never satisfied with the amount amount of stuff they have. So they keep on working in order to afford and obtain more stuff. The problem is,
1: people who live like this never take time to actually enjoy the things that they have. They're completely driven by discontent.
0: And because they are so driven, Solomon says that they actually
1: have no one to enjoy these things with. You see, in our broken world,
0: where people search for meaning and significance and satisfaction in the stuff of earth, this kind of thing actually has something of a diagnosis. It's called workaholism. The idolatry of work. Yet again, Solomon here exposes the wickedness of the human heart. Some people Sacrifice others on the altar of power. Some people sacrifice others
1: on the altar of possessions. Solomon's telling us here that you can actually work your way
0: all the way to the top only to find yourself there all by yourself. You left your spouse behind, no time for her. You left your kids behind, no time for them. You left your friends behind,
1: no time for them. You in fact left life behind, no time for that. You know what the irony is? Solomon says you've always got your
0: nose to the grind and you don't ever stop to think about whether or not
1: It's all worth it. That's what he says. He says this type of individual never
0: asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This type of person never stops to look around long enough
1: And ask the very simple question, what am I doing? What's all this for? Who is all of this for? Is this worth it? Now the answer in the
0: text, if you've been working through Ecclesiastes with us, is simply it won't ever be worth it. It won't ever satisfy. And no matter how much you attain, no matter how many storage units you fill with stuff, one day somebody's going to open it
1: and go, this is nothing but junk. Right? Look, here's the point. Some people are lazy and they need to work more. Yes? Others are slaves to work and need to be set free
0: to enjoy God's good gifts with good friends. Life's blessings are meant to be enjoyed and shared, not hoarded. Have you ever thought about the fact that the Lord Jesus is a friend who lavishes His people with His successes? Think about our friend Jesus. He freely reveals the heart of the Father to us. In fact, he says to his disciples that he holds nothing back. Look at John fifteen fifteen. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you what? Friends, for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus, in other words, did not consider the exclusive relationship that he shares with his Father something to be held on to, something to take pride in, something to withhold from everybody else so that he could say he was different. No, what did he do? He opened up
1: his heart and he said, Everything that the Father has given me, I now give to you. Second, Jesus, our friend, longs for us to
0: be with him where he is. That he might share with us his glory. Listen to what he says in John 17, 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus not only wants to share the heart of the Father, he wants to share with his own people the glory
1: that he's been given in his very presence. Our dear friend Jesus became like us, that we might become like him,
0: children of God. In Romans 8, verses 15 and 16, the Apostle Paul writes, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery, to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Did you catch in those verses the kind of relationship that Jesus the Son enables us to have with His Father? The kind of relationship where you and I share the same intimacy that He does. The kind of relationship where we can call on Almighty God as Abba or Papa. The kind of relationship where the Spirit of God makes us, with Christ, children of God. But it doesn't stop there. Our friend Jesus is not some stingy older brother. He is delighted to give us an equal share in his inheritance paul goes on to write in romans 8:17 if we are children then we are what heirs heirs of god and fellow heirs with christ provided that we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified
1: with him Jesus is a lavish friend. In fact, it's in and through Jesus Christ, as Paul tells the Ephesian
0: church, that we have been blessed with every spiritual
1: blessing. You know what? It cost Jesus everything to bestow those blessings upon us. And he's delighted to do it. He's delighted to do it. Jesus is not a cold-hearted friend. He's not a friend who stands at a distance and expects us to make the first move before He does.
0: In fact, He came to us in the midst of our sinful, poor, miserable, wretched condition. And while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. In our poverty, he gave everything so that in his giving of everything, we might become wealthy beyond imagination. And he says to anyone who will receive his invitation, friends, come into my kingdom. And share with me all that the Father has given me. That is the heart of Christ. That's the heart of Christ. How can you and I not then also pause from our frantic working and simply enjoy the gifts that God has given us? Don't you think it delights the heart of the giver when you and I
1: take genuine delight in the giver's gifts? It does. If you as a parent
0: have ever watched a child open that special gift on Christmas morning, you know what it is to take delight in that child's delight to watch with anticipation and joy as the wrapping comes off and the child's face lights up as they discover what's underneath the colorful paper. Jesus doesn't give us gifts begrudgingly. He gives them with lavish generosity. And He expects us to enjoy them, but not just to enjoy them, to invite others to enjoy them with us, and ultimately to enjoy
1: Him in them. How can we not invite friends to share in the
0: blessings God has bestowed upon us? When we do this, we reflect the heart of Christ. We reflect the heart of our dear friend. Jesus. Look, if nothing else, okay? This should give you and I an excuse to gather with friends around a good meal and simply enjoy the immense blessings God has bestowed upon us. Life is hard. But friends around fire pits, with s'mores in hand and
1: smiles on faces are good. Those things are good. At the very end of this chapter, Solomon tells a brief parable.
0: And the parable has an essential message, okay? A friend will love when the rest of the world loses Interest. Now, this is verses 13 to 16. We'll come back to verses 9 through 12 at the end. In verse 13, Solomon writes, Better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. For he went from prison to the throne, though in his own kingdom he had been poor. Now, everybody loves a rags-to-riches story. In our culture, we call that
1: the American dream. But everybody knows that popularity fades
0: very, very quickly. The person who goes from the bottom to the top is celebrated one minute and forgotten the next. In fact, that's exactly what Solomon says. Verse 15, I saw all of the living who move about under the sun along with that youth who was to stand in the king's place. And at one point in his life, there was no end of all of the people, all of whom he led, yet those who come later will not rejoice in him. Why? Because his 15 minutes of fame has passed. And those who come after... Won't remember his rags to riches story, nor will they celebrate it. In fact, if you're part of our culture, you and I will be on to the next rags to riches story. This is exactly what happens. In this parable, a poor and wise youth goes from rags to royalty, and people flock to him. But notice something, it not only has an effect on them, it has an effect on him too.
1: When he was poor, and when he was young, he was also what?
0: Wise. When he becomes king and gains all of this popularity, he becomes proud. In other words, he becomes a person who begins to believe his own press which leads to pride, which leads to an unwillingness to take advice. Spider-Man is famous for saying, with great power comes great responsibility. I'm here to tell you that with great popularity can come great pride. And it's for both of these reasons that you and I need real friends. Number one, popularity is not going to last The crowd will move on to somebody else and to some other rags to riches story. Number two, pride is particularly destructive when popularity comes along, and we need people who will keep us grounded. You and I need people who will speak the truth in love to us and remind us of who we are. And whose we are. The question is always, will you and I listen to them?
1: When they try to bring us back to earth. Solomon's trying to tell us that the people who are real friends.
0: Are the people who will be there when the camera lights turn off when there's nothing in it for them. He's trying to tell us that the people who are real friends will care enough about us to tell us the truth about ourselves, even when we don't want to hear
1: it. The Lord Jesus is that kind of friend. The Lord Jesus promises us in Hebrews 13, 5,
0: that he will never, ever, ever leave us or forsake us. He's also the kind of friend who we can count on to be genuinely truthful with us at all times and for our ultimate good. You see, some people love us, or at least they say that they do. But because they fear damaging the
1: relationship, they won't tell us the truth. And some people push us away
0: because, look, they're unashamed to tell us the truth about ourselves, but it rarely comes across in the form of love.
1: But Jesus, Jesus on the other hand, loves you enough
0: to tell you the truth about yourself in a way
1: and for the purpose of your ultimate good. Finally, in verses 9 to 12, Solomon reminds us that a good friend is a gift. A good friend is ultimately a gift from God. He writes, Two are better than one
0: because they have a good reward for their toil. In other words, A friend is a gift from God for work. You you and I have probably all had the experience of trying to accomplish some job by ourselves and finally giving up and calling in reinforcements and finding the job to be much easier with help. After all, many hands, what? Make light work. A good friend is good for work. But notice what he goes on to say. Verse 10: For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. A friend is a gift from God for woe, for hard times, for difficulty. Remember the verse from Proverbs I quoted way back at the beginning. A good friend, a brother even, is born for adversity. I hope you have some of those people in your life that you've been able to call on or you could call on today if you entered into a deep, dark period of adversity and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that those friends would lift you up and strengthen you. And simply represent Christ by their presence with you. In verse 11, Solomon writes, Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? You see, a good friend, a
1: gift from God, is a good friend for work, for woe, and for warmth. For warmth. R. Kent Hughes, a pastor,
0: writes this about verse 11. There is spiritual warmth in going through life with other believers. It's easy to grow cold in the Christian life, to become numb to the work of God, and eventually freeze almost to spiritual death. But when you and I are growing cold, the heat of another Christian can warm us up. The prayer of an elder or a deacon, the verse that a friend shares from Scripture, an exhortation to turn our hearts back to God, these are some of the
1: sparks that God uses to keep the fire burning. Finally, in verse 12, Solomon writes, and though a man might
0: prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. A friend is a gift from God for warfare. A friend is a gift from God for warfare. Brothers and sisters, Let me just say it as plainly as I can. If you do not have friends who are helping you to engage
1: the enemy of your soul, then he will be too much for you. The spiritual battle that you and I are engaged in
0: requires That you and I partner with one another to overcome temptation, to continue looking to Christ, and to continue walking forward together in increasing holiness and faithfulness. A good friend is a gift from God for warfare. And then
1: this curious statement. In verse 12. Two will withstand him. A threefold cord
0: is not quickly broken. Yes, two are better than one. In fact, however, one plus one is not two.
1: Now, we're not talking common core math here, okay? Solomon
0: argues that one plus one is three, Because a good friend more than
1: makes up for what we lack. That's what he's saying. Now as we close out this morning, and you maybe kind of reflect on the journey we've taken, you might be
0: saying, Mike, I wish I had the kind of friends that you're describing. If you know Jesus, you do. If you know Jesus, you do. Life in this fallen world is made so much more difficult without His friendship. Friends, our hearts are prone toward lovelessness. Our hearts are prone toward discontent. Our hearts are bent toward dissatisfaction. Our hearts are bent toward pride. Jesus, the friend of sinners, when he comes into our lives, he changes us by his love. He satisfies us with himself and he teaches us what it then means to be real friends with others. So if you would be a real friend, then receive the real friend, the ultimate friend, Jesus Christ, into your life. Allow Him to befriend you,
1: to become not only your lifelong friend, but your forever friend. And then allow Him to begin to mold you and shape you
0: into a friend who rejoice with those who rejoice and a friend
1: who weeps with those who weep. Let's pray. also exposes what
0: happens when we sin against one another. Father, the answer, the answer to being sinned against, the answer to being sinners is Jesus, the ultimate friend. And I want to pray for all of my friends in this room this morning that if they do not, have a real relationship with Christ where they could actually say, Jesus is my friend. I pray for them this morning that your Holy Spirit would open up their hearts, allow them to see what a miserable thing it is to walk through this broken, fallen world all alone without hope for this life or hope for eternity. And enable them to see that Christ is that hope. And that Christ delights to forgive sins. Christ delights to set sinners free. Christ delights to give everything that belongs to him to his brothers and sisters. What a friend we do have in Jesus. And for those here this morning who are feeling distant from Christ oh God, I pray for them. I ask, Lord, that they would experience the nearness and the tenderness and the kindness and the compassion of the dearest of all friends today. Lord, we love you. And we ask now as we respond in song that we wouldn't simply respond with lips, but that we would respond with lives of and lives of extended friendship to others. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to stand and pray and respond with us, please do that. Just know that these
1: steps are always open if you'd like to go to the Lord in prayer about anything.